going to invite Pete to come up and read uh, these passages for us this morning. John 15, verses 12 through 17, and then chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? All right, let's read John 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pete. You can be seated. Let's pray. So, Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would be our teacher, that you would be our guide, that you'd be the translator of the living and active word of God to the very real uh, questions and concerns and experiences of our lives today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, From the passage that Pete read for us this morning, I'll preach from the title, The Journey to Abiding Together. The Journey to Abiding Together. This is a three-week sermon series that Dennis uh, Bourne kicked off last week. He talked about abiding with God in prayer. Would you agree that was like a really helpful, important, powerful sermon last week and time of prayer? Once it's up on the podcast, if you missed it, I would highly, highly, highly recommend Uh, that you take a listen to that. Dennis reminded us that there's no secret to the life of prayer. Amen? We just kind of got to do it and uh, and choose to think about our prayer life, our abiding with God as a relationship. Uh, And it's important as we think about abiding that we begin with abiding with God. Today I'm going to talk about abiding with one another, and then next Sunday we'll, we'll look at abiding with our neighbors. But abiding with God, as Dennis led us last week, is our starting point. Intimacy with God is our starting point. Amen? Um, having said that, it's, it's important that we realize that our abiding with God can never be detached from our relationships with one another. Let me just, one more time. This is really important. Our abiding with God can never be detached from our relationships with one another, okay? So I I don't want you to think about like three separate containers. Here's the abiding with God container. Here's the abiding with one another container. Here's the abiding with neighbors container. It's far messier than that, okay? These things flow into each other. And so even as Dennis talked about abiding with God in prayer, we have to realize that even that intimacy with God cannot be detached from our relationships with one another. Are you tracking with me? Okay. We are created in the image of God as a relational people. Our abiding with God is is going to be expressed, is going to be lived out as we abide with each other and, as we'll see next week, with our neighbors. 
Uh, but as essential as it is, as kind of critical as it is for us to abide uh, with one another, to find our abiding in Christ as we abide with one another, as, 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 as essential, as basic as that is, it ends up that you and I are not particularly good at abiding with each other, at loving one another. Our, our personal selfishness and busyness pushes us away from each other. A society that sees us as individual consumers forms us away from virtues like patience and empathy, virtues that are, are, are necessary for the loving relationships, for the loving friendships that Jesus calls us to. And so while we might kind of agree, at least mentally, that uh, abiding with Jesus involves our relationships with each other, involves loving each other. It's not always clear how we grow into that kind of love for one another, an abiding with Christ love for each other. And so this morning, I want to suggest the metaphor of a journey to help us maybe think a little bit differently about loving one another. A journey that takes us from a place we know to a place we've never been before. This, I want us to think about, is the way to imagine learning to love each other as Christ has loved us, the journey to abiding together. And if we're going to make this journey into the the unknown successfully, we're going to need at least three things. Repeat after me. We're going to need a purpose... We're going to need a power, and we're going to need a plan. You see that? You see that right there? I was so impressed. You know how impressed with that? Three Ps in a row? No? Such a pastor thing. I hardly ever can do that. You guys should, you need to encourage me. Like, that's really hard for me. That's really, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's not, that's not strength of mine. So we're going to need a purpose, we're going to need a power, and we're going to need a plan. I'm trying to make it simple because we've got the kids with us today, so I want you to remember these three Ps. We need a purpose if we're going to engage on this journey to loving one another the way that Jesus would have us to. Frankly, it is easier not to follow Jesus' teaching about loving each other. It's far easier for us to just ignore that teaching about loving each one another as Jesus has loved us. There's risks involved when we put others ahead of ourselves. There's risks involved when we reveal our own insecurities and vulnerabilities. Would you agree? There's risks involved when we allow other people to know our cracked histories and and the tender realities of our lives. These are risks. If we're going to embark on this journey of abiding with each other, we're going to need the purpose, we're going to need to know the purpose of this journey, or else we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to pull back at some point. It's going to get to be too much. The risk is going to feel too great. I've mentioned this before. About 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, Maggie and I moved from western North Carolina to the western suburbs of Chicago. And I had never even been in the state of Illinois before. We were moving for me to go to graduate school. I'd never been to Chicago. We were in our little pickup truck making this drive to the unknown, quite literally the unknown. And we love Western North Carolina. We kind of think it's like heaven. It's like the temperature's nice. Get a little bit of snow, but not too much snow. Get a nice fall. Summer's not too hot. It's great. It's nice. You got the mountains. It's beautiful. We like the outdoors. It's heaven if you're like people like us. We loved it. We didn't need to leave Western North Carolina. But we kind of set off into the unknown. And 
I think that if we didn't have a pretty clear purpose, more than once we would have said this is too much. We don't know anybody here. We don't have any support systems here. It gets really, 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 really cold for a really, 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 really long time. Like there'll be all kind of like we can just go back. But we had a purpose. There was something kind of pulling us, the sense that God was going to do something in us through this preparation, through this training for future ministry. So we kept at it on this journey into the unknown. Thankfully, on this journey to loving one another, God makes the purpose very plain. Pete read it uh, for us earlier in chapter 17, verse 21. May they, this is Jesus praying about us, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I hope you you, you see the purpose here of our love for one another. Our love for one another is how God is revealing his love to the world. That's That's the purpose. Our love for one another is how God is revealing his love to the world. I'm going to say it one last time. Because if we don't have this clearly, we will pull back. Our love for one another is how God is revealing his love to the world. And not just in a specific way. Jesus says, Father, they should be a, the world should be able to look at my disciples and know that there is a loving God who sent his son to die for this world's sins. That's the purpose of our love for each other. Are you with me? You see this? That's our rationale. That's the reason. That's the why. That's our purpose. So that the world would know that there is a God who so loved this world that he gave his only son to die on our behalf so that we would live. Somebody say amen. That's the purpose of our journey toward abiding in love with one another. This is what makes it worth all the risks. Abiding in love with one another is how your neighbors will know that there is a God who loves them. Okay, so that's the purpose. What will, what will keep us moving? What will propel us along in our journey toward greater love for one another. On that same journey from Western North Carolina up to uh, the Midwest, about halfway through in the middle of the Indiana cornfields in a very, very hot July afternoon, our heater core and our engine started to go out. I did not know what a heater core was then. I still don't really know what a heater core is now, but the engine gauge started going up and steam started coming out of the vents in our vehicle and we knew this was not a good situation to be stuck in the middle of cornfields in Indiana. We made it. We made it. Thanks be to God. But all of a sudden, we had a new list of priorities. Like, the first priority is getting this engine fixed. Because there was nothing else we were going to do, nowhere else we were going to go, nothing else we were going to get accomplished if that engine didn't get fixed. I hope you're tracking with my metaphor here. What's the power that will propel us along in this journey? What's the engine? It cannot be your good intentions. It cannot be, I want to love my friends more. I I want to love the folks in this room more. Our good intentions are not enough. Anybody think I'm telling the truth this morning? 
within the Christian community, that is this room right here, right now, there will always be those who it seems God handpicked to rub you in the wrong way. Like, really? This person just naturally, with their jagged edges, kind of rubs against my most raw and vulnerable. And Yeah, that's what happens. There will always be those whose personalities are to you the equivalent of fingernails on a chalkboard. And oh, by the way, you are one of those people to somebody else in this room as well. That's how it works. So what will get us from here to there? Not our good intentions. What power do we draw from in the midst of confusion and relational conflict? We find the answer, I think, in chapter 15, verses 15 through 16. Jesus says to his disciples, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you. This is our power. The knowledge that God chose you. This is the engine that will propel us forward on this journey to loving one another. The knowledge that God chose you. In our sin, in our mess, in our rebellion, God chose us. Amen? And more than just chose us, because I think some of us this morning, we have this idea of God like kind of running this big factory, like creating Christian widgets or something. He's just collecting and bringing them in and choosing them. And he's just trying to get like the bottom line is what's most important. God's just trying to save the most amount of people. But God chose you. How do we know? Because Jesus says, I have called you friends. So it's not just that God chose a generic verse, like, oh, I just was looking for somebody about five foot two with long blonde hair, five foot seven with this kind of. No, God chose you to be his friend. And that knowledge, that reality is what propels us forward on this journey toward loving one another. God does not merely tolerate you. You were not some mere object in God's plan to rescue the world. God chose you to be his friend. I need to say that one more time to somebody. You are God's friend. Yes, you and I choose to serve God. Amen? Yes, you and I choose to worship God as our Lord, as the, as the ruler of the universe. Yes, we, we see Jesus as our Messiah, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Yes, but in this tender moment with his just disciples, Jesus says, I have called you my friend. Do you wake up in the morning knowing that you are a friend of God? When, when, when you mess up, when you sin, when you rebel, do you remember God is still my friend in this moment? Or is your kind of emotional instinct to start groveling and, oh, I screwed up and now God, oh, God is your friend, amen? And this knowledge propels us forward in two ways. One, once we understand that God sees us as his friend, it gets really hard to see anybody else in this room as anything other than a potential friend. Did you follow? Are you, are you with me? 
Right? Because all of a sudden, that person who's grating, annoying, why are you saying that thing again? All of a sudden, that person, you're looking at him, at her, through the knowledge, through the reality of the fact that God chose you in all of your mess, with all of your stuff, with all of your sinfulness, and still called you friend. Are you with me this morning? So we see one another differently. But there's a There's another power available that goes beyond our knowledge, and that's the fact that as a friend of God, we have the very presence of God in us. So we're not just drawing from our own reservoirs of goodwill, thanks be to God, to love one another. That well will run out quick, amen? We have a relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Dennis told us last week that it's not just that we abide in Christ, it's that Christ abides in us. Your life is hidden in Christ Jesus, your Lord, amen? And there's a power there when it comes to loving those who can be hard for you to love. This is the engine that propels us forward in this journey to loving each other. We see one another different because we are friends of God, and we have a power to love differently because we have been made friends of God. Amen? Lastly, here's our plan. We know this journey is worth the risk. We, we, we know the purpose. We, we know what will propel us forward in this journey. We, we know our power. Here comes the plan. And I want to keep using this story of Maggie's and my move to Wheaton because we get, we get to, to the western suburbs and we have nothing. We, we got a mattress that goes on the floor and that's about it. We got nowhere that we're sitting on the floor eating our food out of, you know, Tupperware or whatever. So we need to go to a garage sale. Because we're broke, too. So we need to go to a garage sale and buy, like, a chair to sit on, you know, or, like, a frame to put our mattress on. This is in 2000. So here's what we did. We bought a newspaper, a paper one, and we turned to the classified ads. Anybody old enough to remember doing this? Anybody? The class? Really? That's it? Come on. Help me out. Anybody remember doing this? Okay. All right. That's why I'm being descriptive because there's a group of people over here that, that they don't, Classified ads. That's why we used to have newspapers, because there's classified. So you turn to classified Here's all of the garage sales. So we know that. But we don't know where these places are. We don't know what these towns mean. We don't know what these street means. And we don't know, how am I going to find out where this place is? There's this thing called the phone book. Oh, I didn't even, we didn't even have a map. We, there was a phone book. And in the back of the phone book, there were maps. And you could turn to these maps... They're laughing. This is this is the, this was it. We didn't know anybody to call. Search had couldn't pull up. There was no phone. We didn't even have a cell phone. There's no laptop. There's no internet. Nothing. There was internet, but it took it took a, a, a Meritech like three weeks to connect our internet. You know. So now I'm just venting. But here's the deal: we're driving around with these two documents on our laps, classified ads, and this huge phone book, trying to figure out how we get from here to there. We don't know any landmarks. We've never been here before. We don't know what that street sign means. We don't know how far this town is from that town, trying to estimate on the map. And that's how we got around. That was our plan. It was not an amazing plan, but it worked. We got what we needed to get for that day, for that week. We had enough to go on at that point. My point is, what's my point? That for most of us, the kind of, of loving relationship that Jesus calls us to is, is kind of like being in completely foreign territory. And if we're honest, the way that Jesus tells us to love each other is not 
a normal experience for us. That it is like being in a, in a strange country, in a strange land, where we don't know the landmarks, where we're not really sure to get, how to get from point A to point B. We know our purpose. We know the power that will propel us forward. How are we actually going to do it? You and I are used to, to, to self-selecting into friendships. We choose people who we like, who are most like us, who have common interests. That's what we do. That's normal. We, we, we self-select into friendships with people who have experienced the world more or less like we have. That's what we do. But that is not what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is not calling us to, to love people who think just like us, who, who have experienced this world just like we have. Jesus is calling us to love people across radical divides and divisions. Amen? So we need a plan. We need a map. And here's what Jesus gives us. Chapter 15, 12 and 13. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. What, can this, what will this journey look like? What can we expect? What's the map? Jesus says it's going to look like loving one another the way that I loved you. You want to know what to picture? You want to know what to expect? It's going to look like loving each other the way that Jesus loved us when he laid down his life for our salvation. What does this journey towards loving each other look like? It looks like the way of the cross. It looks like emptying ourselves of our agendas, our selfishness, our greed, and giving ourselves to the good of our friends. If you want a map, if you want a plan, that's it. That's what Jesus gives us. And I know some of us this morning would like a little bit more information, a few more details. We want strategies. We want tactics. We want the kind of top ten tips and tricks for how to love difficult people. And Jesus instead gives us the cross. And that's it. Do you want to know the way of abiding together in Christ's love? Look to the cross. See your Savior emptying himself out of his deep love for you because he chose you as his friend. See the crucified Savior placing your salvation above his own life. Do you want to know what it looks like to love one another? Do you want the map? See also the resurrected Jesus. See that this journey of of loving one another brings new life. This is not a journey to martyrdom. This is not a, a journey of empty self-sacrifice. The journey towards sacrificial, cruciform love is a journey toward freedom and towards hope and towards resurrected life. Amen? That's the plan. And thanks be to God, within that plan, there is all kind of freedom. There's not a list of here's exactly what you got to do to love the person next to you when they get on your nerves. The way of the cross is the way of freedom. And so you and I have the opportunity to love each other in all kinds of different ways. The purpose of loving one another is to share God's love with the world. It matters. I want to say this clearly. Community matters. Unity matters. It's not 
We don't prioritize it just because it, it helps us feel a little bit better about ourselves. We don't prioritize it because a handful of us are, are lonely. Unity and community matters because it is God's choice. It is God's decision of how the world will know the love of the Father. Amen? We know the purpose. The power that propels our love is our friendship with God. Meditate on that this week. Dwell in that good news this week. God calls you friend. Sit in that place for a minute this week. Hear Jesus call you his friend. And the plan for how we love each other is revealed in Christ's love for us on the cross. And as we come to the table for communion here in just a minute, we have a chance to meditate on that sacrificial love. So this morning, as we receive the Lord's Supper, I want to ask two questions. The first is simply, have you accepted God's offer of friendship? Have you ever in your life said yes to Jesus? Have you ever in your life given yourself to Jesus in that kind of a way, saying, I I can't do this anymore. I cannot fix my own life. My sin is too great. I give it all to you. I hear your offer of friendship. Some of you have never said yes to Jesus. Some of you have said yes to a different kind of Jesus. You've been serving a taskmaster. You've been serving someone who exploits your sin and your shame and your guilt. And this morning, some of you need to come forward and just hear the God who made everything said, I I, I want to be your friend. Amen? And here's the other question. Who is God calling you to love the way that Jesus loves you? You don't need to be theoretical about this. You don't need to be like real complicated about this. Just start with who's in this room. Who in this room is God calling me to love the way that Jesus loves me? You're going to be in a minute, there's going to be a line here coming up to to receive communion. Who in this line coming to the Lord's Supper is God calling me to love in the way that Jesus loved me? And maybe you're newer to your church and like, I don't know any of these folks. That's all right. Ask God to show you who maybe he's calling you to love in the way of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm going to ask you for three more minutes. Grab a seat. Um, John White, I need you to come on up. Candice, uh, Marquita, Steve. Um, is there anybody else here? Uh, uh, Tanisha, David, you all come up. We've had a lot of loss in our church this year. A lot of family members uh, who've passed away unexpectedly. Is there anybody else here this morning who's lost somebody close who'd like the church to pray for them this morning? I didn't give you all the options. I just said you're going to come on up. Anybody else need to be prayed for this morning? Lost somebody? Anybody, anybody, anybody? We've been praying for each of you. Somebody find Steve Boone. Somebody find Steve Boone. We've been praying for each of you a lot. Um, We don't pretend to know uh, your loss or to know what it feels like, what it has has felt like. We don't pretend to know what it will feel like. Um, But we are standing with you. And when we sing that song that Marquita just sang, just let us in, we mean that thing. I know some of y'all awkward singing that song. And you need to get over yourselves, amen? Amen? You need to get over yourselves. Because we're not doing, we're not trying to do this thing on our own, amen? Because when the floor drops out from under you and you get that call, you cannot do it on your own. You 
cannot stand on your own. You've got to be surrounded with people who are learning to love you like Jesus has loved them. Somebody say amen. So I'm going to pray for these folks. I'm going to ask, go ahead and stand back up and extend your, your hands. Um, there's a lot of loss represented here this morning, but also a lot of hope, a lot of testimonies, a lot of what God has, has already done. And so, and so pray with me, church. So God, we thank you. We thank you for these uh, women and men who love you. We thank you for your presence in their lives. We thank you for the answered prayers that are represented here. God, we thank you that you know their grief and you know their pain. We thank you that you know their questions, you know their doubts. We thank you that you know even the regrets, even those things they say, I wish I would have said that. I wish I would have had one more, one more visit, one more minute. God, you know all of this and you're with them in it. And so we thank you, Jesus, that the spirit of the living God is abiding with every single one of these women and men, every one of your children today. And I'm praying for a powerful experience and manifestation of your Holy Spirit in their lives, in their grief, in their lament, in their hope, in their confusion, in the planning that they have in front of them, in the questions that will come up a day from now, a year from now. Spirit of the living God, be present in all of that. Work this out for their good as you've promised, Lord God. Work this out. Work this grief, this lament, this sadness out for their good. God, I'm praying for a testimony for every single one of them, Lord Jesus. In your timing and in your way. But I'm praying for Marquita, for Stephen. Lord God, I'm praying for Morgan. I'm praying for Candace, for John, for Tanisha, for David. That it, when, the, when the time is right, that there will be a testimony. That they will be able to open their mouths and testify to the goodness of God shown to them in the land of the living. In your timing and in your way, Lord God. But we ask now for their comfort, for their protection. We ask for, for, for complete protection over every family member. That there will be no more death in 2018. That there will be no more sickness in 2018. That there would be no more grief of this kind in 2018. And God, in this moment, we, we ask that you protect our church. But we ask that you protect every person in this room and our family members. God, we submit to you, to your timing, to your providence, God. But if it were up to us, we would pray that there would be no more of this kind of grief in 2018. So act, Lord God. Do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. We love you all.